all close relationships develop some style of navigating conflict. It doesn't even have to be like a, like a real intimate relationship, just anyone we have to be around a lot at, at work, at church, a marriage, friends, siblings. No relationship can survive um, without these things because strife, intense uh, conflict, you just can't stay in that all the time. So we develop some patterns, some styles, whether we, we, these are unconscious, we don't know we are doing these things, uh, but they're designed to help us avoid damage or limit damage to ourselves, to our hearts, and to the relationship. Here's just, just a couple of examples that might sound familiar if you're honest. Sometimes our style is to avoid conflict. We... we ignore issues, we let issues simmer, and uh, you can, if I was to put a name to this style of conflict, it would be the long fuse and huge boom style of managing conflict, where we just sort of stuff things down, we don't deal with anything until someone can't take it, and then one and then both of us kind of explode. Usually we have other things to apologize for then and we'll have a little bit of a, we'll make up about the explosion more than the issues and we'll go right back to stuffing those things away and light another very long fuse. Another common pattern is we just figure out who in the relationship or the workplace or the family or the whatever, we figure out who just needs to get his or her way. We figure out which bear we can't poke because it's not worth um, the cost of the explosion that will come if you try to confront that person. And then we've all just learned that person doesn't really have to fight. They've already won. And the problem with those, there are others too. Most of these things we've developed cause damage to relationships, to individuals. They usually find out or wind up if there's any kind of resolution. One person feels like they have won. Another person feels like they have lost. One person feels uh, run over, stepped on, and both of these styles, resentment just builds and builds and builds. We feel controlled, manipulated, stepped on, rather than feeling valued, heard, cared for. Does that sound at all familiar? Either of those? What if there's a different way to walk through conflict. What if, what if there was a way, like an actual process, we could use to, to walk through conflict in a way where it didn't build or result in resentment, but actually resulted in peace 
in hope for both parties or for all involved? That nobody felt coerced, nobody felt run over. There is. And we're going to read it today. This is as practical of a passage as I can even think of. It really can change our relationships and therefore our lives. This book of Philippians, where this uh, doing conflict God's way, you might call it, where this shows up, it shows up in the context of a book that's all about how to find joy even when our circumstances kind of stink. It is that right thinking is what leads to joy and pursuing the right prize, knowing Jesus Christ. That's what leads to joy. And so Paul can write this book about joy even while he's in prison because he is working to know Jesus Christ and he is chasing the right prize and his right thinking leads to joy instead of trying to arrange the circumstances of our lives in a way that leads to happiness. Because that's frustrating. Well, what circumstances are worse than when you're in conflict with someone you care about? When you have to go, I cannot ignore this any longer and I have to go and raise an issue with somebody I, I deeply care about. Is life uncomfortable then? Can we have joy even then? Can we have peace even then? Yes. Yes. What we're about to read is, in my confident opinion, the greatest conflict resolution manual that has ever been written. And the best news is, it's simple. Four steps and a mindset. Four steps and a mindset to peace-filled conflict. I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. Let's read our passage today and see what we might learn from it. So this is Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9, where Paul writes, I urge Eudoia and I urge Suntuke to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also, help these women who've shared my struggles in the cause of the gospel together with Clement and also the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or of good reputation, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on that stuff. The things you've heard and learned and received uh, and seen in me, Practice these things, 
and the God of peace will be with you. There's our passage. Before we get to the conflict resolution manual, we look at verses 2 and 3, which is the only thing that lets us know this is even about conflict. Verses 2 and 3, most of the time, I think this gets taught separately, and it's kind of with a kind of an air of not really sure what this is doing here. But here's what Paul says. Paul's talking about two women who live in the church in Philippi that he knows, Eudoia, and in Greek, this would have been something like Sintuke. If anybody's looking for girl names, like if you have twin girls, right? The Gians, the, the party's over on this one. You missed it. But I think Eudoia Sintuke Gian would have had a nice ring to it. Maybe next time, right? So they have funny names. But Paul urges them to agree in the Lord, or your Bible might say, uh, be of the same mind in the Lord, come to harmony in the Lord. That's the goal. Paul wouldn't have to urge these two women to do that if they were already doing it. They're in conflict. They're not getting along. We don't know what the conflict is. Doesn't matter. The people in Philippi do. And so Paul, as he sends this letter back, then he says... I also say to you, true companion, help them. Help them what? Help them agree in the Lord. Uh, Paul doesn't tell us who true companion is. I'll tell, I think that's just the whole church. The, this letter is addressed to all of the believers in Philippi, and I think he calls the same recipient, the whole church, true companion. Maybe he's got one person in mind there that he doesn't identify, I don't know, to be the the conflict management counselor. It doesn't really matter. Somebody, I think it's the whole church, says, Paul says, these two gals should be getting along and they're not. They should be in harmony in the Lord. And listen, the goal is harmony in the Lord. The goal is not. Here's what we want sometimes. I know because you bring these to my office. Here's what we want. I want you to tell everybody that I'm right somehow. And I want you to make sure that person is somehow punished. Right? I want So let's have an inquisition. So everybody knows who the good guy is, who the bad guy is. But that's not going to help these two women agree in the Lord. And Paul reminds the church things they should know about these two gals. These are... These are believing Christian gals who have worked with me for the gospel. They've struggled together before. They used to be on the same team doing this, this gospel thing together. They used to work with Clement. You guys all know Clement. Not you guys, but them. You guys like Clement. They used, used, they used to work side by side with him and my other co-workers. And he says of these two ladies, their names are written in the book of life. This this is about how to solve conflict with two believers, between two believers. And the request here is, church, you help them. Now, if I was in that church and Paul just left it there, I would have a question. How? Paul, these two hate each other now. How do you want us to help those two get along? And half the church thinks Eudoia is right and Sintuke is the bad guy. And the other half thinks the opposite. 
How do we help two people who don't get along, two believers, live in harmony in the Lord? Not sit down and shut up. Not quit it. Harmony in the Lord. Paul says, I'm glad you asked. Because now he's going to give us four steps and a mindset that will help us manage our conflicts better than we naturally do it. So if we're doing conflict Paul's way, here's step one, Philippians 4, 4. You are going to recognize many of you, many of these verses, but they're not just one-offs. They're about conflict. Step one to resolving conflict God's way is this. Rejoice in the Lord. And Paul says, just in case you don't think, uh, just in case you think I am just being, throwing churchy words in there, I'm going to say this again. Rejoice. That's how you help these two women solve their conflict. That's how you and I resolve our conflicts with other Christians. What does rejoice in the Lord have to do at all with resolving conflict? Well, I want you to, First, this isn't just like a step, have something. This is the most important thing you can do in your next conflict, in your current conflict with another believer. And here's why. When you think back over the way of your life, you know you well. When you find yourself in a conflict with someone else, and finally that conversation starts, What does your heart, what does your flesh tell you you have to have before you can feel joy and peace ever again? If you're like me, your heart says, I need one of these three things. I need to win and or I need that other person to lose or suffer. We all have a little schadenfreude in us, right? Or... I need distance. I'm out. Or I need them to be out. That's what our flesh will tell us. Isn't that true? Am I the only one with a heart this wicked? You are looking at me like I'm crazy up here, which may or may not be true. But in this case, right? The conflict starts and my heart says, I got to win. He's got to lose. Or I got to get out. I got to detach some way. Stay away. Avoid. Maybe it's just emotional detachment. But that's, I got to have some combination of those three things or I'll never, I can't have joy and I can't feel peace. Right? Here's what step one says. Step one of resolving conflict God's way is remind yourself where your true true joy comes from and express that joy. Rejoice just means express your joy. This fall, when the, when the Huskers score a touchdown, if the Huskers score a touchdown, guess what most of you will do? You'll rejoice. That's just let your joy out. So here's how this should look. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Even if you're in a conflict, especially if you're in a conflict. So here's how how this should work. Usually I pick on Rachel. I'm going to leave Rachel alone today. I'll pick on Travis. Travis and I are going to have a fight today. All right? I know myself well enough to know 
if I'm not careful, I'm going to try to get my joy out of defeating Travis. That's not where my joy comes from. My joy comes from knowing the Lord. So since we're both brothers in Christ, we should sit down and spend some time expressing where our joy comes from. Travis, I am not going to try to... We, there's some stuff we have got to talk about. There's an issue here. We disagree. But I'm not going to try to get my joy out of defeating you. That's not where my joy comes from. My joy comes from being an adopted son of the king. And that's not going to change. And hopefully Travis will tell me I'm not going to get my joy out of defeating you. Maybe we'll spend some time talking, rejoicing in who we are in Christ. That's step one. Rejoice in the Lord, not in winning. Step two, resolving conflict God's way is fight gently. I see this in verse five where Paul writes, let your gentleness or your gentle spirit be evident to all the Lord is near. Now, let me ask you this. When you are in a conflict, is that what naturally becomes evident to all out of you is your gentle spirit? No. Why is that? Even if you have a conflict resolution style where you, where you will avoid conflict and you may not say anything to the person you're having the conflict with, this says, let your gentleness be evident to everyone. Don't you have somebody you tend to go to and let your non-gentle spirit flow freely? Don't you have someone that you practice saying the things you wish you could say to that other person with? Why is it we tend to get very not gentle in conflicts? Do you know why? Because we've been trained by our families, by our parents, by the world, and by our own flesh. That when we get in a conflict, joy comes from winning. And we've been trained the best way to get what I want out of a conflict, most of us, is to ratchet up the emotion, the anger, the vitriol, the hateful words, make it so uncomfortable that eventually that other person backs down. Paul says, not you, Philippians. You remember what the goal is for these two women, Paul said? Help them do what? Come to harmony in the Lord. That's God's goal in our next conflict. Harmony in the Lord. We cannot use the enemy's weapons to try to win God's battles. We can't. And James says the anger of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God. Paul tries to motivate us to do this. 
by saying this, the Lord is near. Let me ask you this, in your next conflict conversation, would you behave differently if the Lord Jesus Christ like appeared visibly and sat in the room with you while you had your next conflict? Would you behave differently after you like got up off your face? Yes. Maybe we should remind ourselves the Lord is in the room with us. Maybe if I go back to my fight with Travis, if I'm going to do steps one and steps two, it would look like this. Travis, there's some things we, you know we have an issue. We've, we've got to talk about this. And I know it's uncomfortable, but we're going to rejoice in the Lord, like I said a minute ago. And then step two, I'm going to say, Travis, I am not going to try to use the enemy's weapons uh, to win God's war. I'm, not, I'm going to try very hard not to say anything I wouldn't say if Jesus Christ himself were in the room with us. Because guess what? Jesus Christ himself is in the room with us. Because my goal here is harmony in the Lord, not get this thing over with as quickly as I can so I can go back to avoiding this. Step one, rejoice in the Lord, not in winning. Step two, fight gently. The Lord is near. Step three, I'm going to try to refuse to be controlled by my anxiety. I get that in the first part of verse 6 where Paul says this. Be anxious about nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't you love it when the Bible says, hey, don't worry about stuff. Don't be anxious. Don't feel anxiety. How many of you have ever wanted to say, that would be awesome. I would love to not feel anxiety. Right? Paul is not giving a prohibition against our feelings. Our feelings just are. But here's what he's saying. When we're in a conflict, it is really difficult to have our behavior controlled by our anxiety. One thing that will help us not be controlled by our anxiety is do steps one and steps two well with the other person. If the person that I am disagreeing with is committed to getting their joy out of the Lord and not defeating me, and they really want to be gentle, I will probably feel less anxiety. So those steps one and two are very important for this. But especially if you're not someone who like, lives for conflict, if you're not terribly confrontational, the anxiety that the confrontation produces makes you want to drop the, the emotional nuclear weapon right? Go from zero to a million so that everybody learns not only are we not doing this, don't ever do this again. Why? Because it makes me so anxious to be in this. I can't do it. But our anxiety will keep us from doing what we need to do. Because harmony in the Lord is the goal, not get me out of here. Anxiety will, will make me want to just get out of this when the Lord might want me to get something out of this. You know what I mean? So, I want to fight to be controlled by the Lord where my joy is, not controlled by my anxiety. That's step three. How are we going to do that? Step four is, 
pray. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing instead, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In this hypothetical conflict, who should you be talking to about this conflict? God. Who do we normally talk to about our conflicts? That sibling, that friend, that parent who will let me. We say, I need to, I need to vent, right? What, what I really want to do is practice saying all the things I wish I could say, but I know I can't. Paul says, pray. I'll, I'll encourage you, submit to you. This should be done with the other person. This is about how two Christians resolve conflict. Get together and pray. And Paul says, make sure you pray with thanksgiving. Now, we haven't even started talking about our issues yet. We don't know how this is going to turn out. Paul's jumping the gun with the whole thanksgiving thing here. What do you mean pray with thanksgiving? I don't know if I win yet. What do we, what do we have to be thankful about? Maybe that's what we ought to pray about. What we have to be thankful about. It's back to me and Travis. Here's the way this should look. Step one, we have some issues. We've got to talk. We're going to spend some time rejoicing in the Lord. Can we do that in prayer? We can. Maybe I spend some time telling God in prayer what I'm thankful about, about Travis. God, I'm so thankful that you brought Travis into my life eight years ago. He's my brother in Christ. Thank you that I have a friend. Thank you that I have a spouse. Thank you that I have a whoever who's not trying to get their joy out of whipping me right now. Thank you that I have a friend to walk through this who who wants to be gentle and make me more like Jesus, who didn't avoid difficult things, but was gentle and wanted to see harmony in the Lord. Paul says, supplication, that's asking for stuff. Let your requests be made known to God. What should we be asking for as we walk through this? That I would win and she would lose? I think what we should be asking for, here's the big ask, God, help us to see what you think is best. Because we're supposed to be trying. The goal is we want to come to harmony in what? Harmony in the Lord. So maybe the Lord is who we ought to ask what that harmony should look like. We're looking for your kind of harmony and agreement, Lord. And obviously we don't know what it is because we have different ideas. So will you help us know what your solution to this looks like? And see, that puts us on the same page. Now we're looking for the same thing. We know we don't agree. I might be wrong. Travis might be wrong. But we, want, we know the Lord ain't wrong. And so we're looking for what would look like harmony to Him, and we're doing that together. Do you think some, some prayer like that might help? This is the part where you give me feedback. Do you think some prayer like that might help? I have a very fragile ego. You've got to help me out. 
It sure seems like when you're sitting in here that that would do a lot of good, right? I mean, it seems like, it feels like, man, that would feel better than what we usually do. But next time that conversation starts, your heart, your flesh won't want to do it. You know why? Because your heart knows what the Lord will do with you if you pray like this. The Lord will empty you of the ammunition you usually use to try to win. And you don't want to be emptied of that ammunition. You've been using it your whole life. It's worked fine. Right? And I say this from experience. When I feel myself not wanting to pray, that's probably a sign I'm doing something wrong even in my preparation. If I want to stay worked up for the courage to, whatever that is, it's probably not what God would, would have if my goal is actually harmony in the Lord with the other person. That's the whole plan. That's it. That's not that complicated. You can rejoice in the Lord. You can, uh, what was step two? Somebody remind me step two. I forgot step two. You can, what was it? Oh yeah, I can fight gently. See, I'm not, I try to forget that one a lot, actually. I can fight gently. I can refuse to be controlled by my anxiety. I can pray with my brother or sister. But we haven't even talked about the issues yet. That's all the pregame festivities. It almost doesn't matter. If we will do those four things before we start, you know what might happen? I'm going to show you a verse you've been hearing your whole life. And it's going to mean something different to you now. If we do those four steps in our conflicts, look what Paul says will happen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see what he says there? If you do those four things before you discuss your next conflict, you'll get the peace that comes from God that doesn't even make sense. It transcends understanding. Why doesn't it make sense? Because we haven't even fought yet. And I already have this peace. See, I used to have to win to get peace, or I used to have to withdraw to get peace, or I used to have to kick someone out of my life emotionally or physically to have peace. And now I can have a peace of God that doesn't even make sense while I'm in a conflict. And Paul says, here's the mindset you keep as you walk forward to talk about these issues, whatever issues you have. Here's the mindset, verse 8. Paul says, whatever's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and of good reputation and whatever is excellent and whatever is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I think Paul would say, dwell on these things in that person you are disagreeing with. Now, when you are in a conflict, is that the list you tend to build in your brain about the other person? All the good stuff? 
No. Why? Why? Because that builds, if you can keep chewing on every bad thing they've ever done in that one time, that builds that ammunition you've always used to win in your flesh. Paul says, we're not thinking on those things. Eudoia and Suntuke, we want, we want them to agree in the Lord. These are good Christian women who have fought together with the gospel. We want back to that. We don't want to figure out who's bad and who's good. We want two sinners to be in harmony. So Paul says, focus on what is true, not what you can imagine might could be true. That's my problem lots of times. I have a great scenario generator where I can imagine all kinds of things that could possibly, probably, and I know what they're probably thinking and probably what, ugh. There's not truth in that. What I can imagine is true and what I know to be true are not the same things. So I want to keep in mind what is honorable, what's good, what is lovely in this person I'm trying to come to harmony with. Verse 9, Paul says, you Philippians have seen me do this. You've learned this, you've received this, but you've heard and seen me do this. Examples are powerful. They've seen Paul do this. Maybe this is how Paul acted toward the authorities in Philippi who arrested him and beat him with rods. I don't know. But if we practice these things, one final promise, look at what he says. The God of peace will be with you. When? During the conflict. And that is the greatest conflict resolution manual that has ever been written. It goes like this. Next time you're in a conflict, remind yourself and the, your brother or sister in Christ, your spouse, your parents, whoever it is, we're going to get our joy from the Lord, not from defeating the other person. We're going to spend some time expressing our joy. We're going to vow to be gentle. The Lord is near. I'm not going to try to win the Lord's battle using the devil's weapons or my flesh's weapons. Third, I'm, I'm going to try really hard to not allow, not be controlled by my anxiety. I, I may feel anxious, but I'm not going to let my anxiety keep me from doing what is right. Fourth, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And then as we begin to talk about our issues. I'm going to dwell on what is good and lovely and right and true about the other person. And if we do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our minds in Christ Jesus. And the God of peace will be with us. Sound good? Let's pray. Father God, uh, Christians can be some of the fightinest, spittinest, meanest folks around sometimes. 
We can be people who will do anything to avoid conflict as well. And we can be everywhere else on that spectrum, God. You allow painful situations in our lives. And we're all sinners who are in relationships with other sinners. And we do dumb stuff and other people do dumb stuff toward us. So God, help us have a goal of harmony in the Lord with our Christian brothers and sisters. And then help us rejoice, keep our joy in the Lord so that we we don't have to try to get our joy either from winning or abandoning or avoiding people you want us to be in harmony with. Help us to proceed gently. Help keep us from being controlled by our anxiety, but instead being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God who whom you have graciously given to each of us. Lead us to pray, and when we don't want to pray, let us see that as a warning light that we're not doing this well. And I thank you for these promises, God, that if we will do that, the peace that comes from you that makes no sense during a conflict will guard our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. We can have that sense of peace, shalom, well-being while we're in a conflict because the God of peace will be with us. We have those promises if we do this process. Thank you, Lord, for your word and how practical it is for our lives and our relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.